What I'd like to do this morning is to share with you the spillover of this summer's study and uh, give you a foretaste of what the BITC plenary session is going to look like this fall, because I'm going to teach, Lord willing, on living by faith in future grace in the BITC plenary sessions at 645 on Wednesday night, beginning September 14. But I want to tell you what I've been looking at and studying and thinking about in these last uh, four weeks of study and writing. And my prayer is that the spillover would be as strengthening and as encouraging for you personally and for this church corporately as it has been for me. We're going to look at 26 texts this morning. We've never done this before. I've never had you look up 26 texts. And you may say, well, I'm not going to look up 26 texts. Well, I want you to look up 26 texts. I want you to. We've never done it before. If, if you look up 26 texts with me, it may be that you'll never forget the point because you'll always say it was the sermon where we looked up 26 texts and we never did that before. You're, some of you were here. And in fact, I'm going to take a little survey. It's going to be very few hands going up here, but I want to see how many. I said something on my first Sunday here, July 13. Sure, I was there. July 13, 1980. I want to say again right now. Now, I want to see how many of you. Now, I'm not going to require that you remember if you were here that Sunday, but how many of you were attending Bethlehem in July of 1980? Raise your hand. That was more than I thought. Good. All right. Now, here's what I said. I said, I wonder, do you know what my favorite sound is in worship? And my favorite sound was the whoosh of a congregation full of Bibles opening up to the morning text. All right. So let's hear it. Turn to the book of Philemon. It's a little teeny book. And in this Bible, it's on page 1420, the Pew Bible, 1420. And just hang on there for a minute. Philemon. The 26 texts we're going to look at are in all of Paul's letters. He wrote 13 letters. 13 goes into 26 two times. We're going to look at two texts in each letter, one at the beginning and one at the end. And very simply, here's what we're going to look for and what we're going to find. At the beginning of every letter and at the end of every letter, the Apostle Paul blesses the people with grace. At the beginning of his letters, he says something like, Grace to you from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And at the end of his letters, he says something like, Grace be with you. Now watch, this is something I'd never seen before. I knew that there were these blessings there, but what I did not notice is that at the beginning, every one of them says, Grace to you, and at the end, every one of them says, Grace be with you. Why? Okay? Now, I don't want you to take my word for that. The implications that spew up out of this pattern of grace enfolding every letter are many. And uh, you can find more than I will find. But you won't find them unless you believe that it's there. And so we're going to start at the back and work all the way through the collection of Paul's letters, which are all together in one place in the New Testament, stretching from Romans to Philemon. So I invite you to look now at the end of Philemon, verse 25. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Then, 
We're going to move quickly now, so please make every effort. If you don't want to, that's okay. You can just listen and absorb, but it'll make an impact on you if you see it with your own eyes. Back up to the beginning of his letter, verse 3. Grace to you, not with you, to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, now just up a few verses to Titus. So you don't even have to turn your page usually when you jump backwards to this next book. Chapter 3, verse 15. Grace be with you all. Right? To the beginning of the book of Titus. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Then down to verse 4. To Titus, my true child in the common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus. Now notice, it doesn't say grace with you or grace to you. That's true of all three of the so-called pastoral letters. First and Second Timothy and Titus. So I take it that the to Titus... In verse 4, should be taken with that grace. So the way I hear it is, Paul, to Titus, grace to you. Paul, to Titus, grace. To Titus, grace. Grace to Titus from Paul. Back up to the end of 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 22. The Lord be with your spirit, grace be with you all. There's the with again. Now to the front of Second Timothy, chapter 1, verse 1, four chapters back. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, to Timothy, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now back up to 1 Timothy, last verse, chapter 6, verse 21. Grace be with you. There's the with again at the end. Now to the front of 1 Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, according to the commandment of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, who is our hope, to Timothy, my child in the faith, grace. To Timothy, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father. Now back to the end of 2 Thessalonians. And here we're going to hit a stride of uniformity in with you and to you in all the rest of the letters. 2 Timothy 3.18. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now to the front of 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 1, verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus. Now to the end of 1 Thessalonians. Just a few lines up. Chapter 5, verse 28. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Now to the beginning of 1 Thessalonians. Paul and Silvanus and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. Now the end of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 18. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. And then to the beginning of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 2. You still with me? Chapter 1, verse 2. To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are at Colossae, grace to you. It's with you at the end. It's to you at the beginning. End of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 23. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now to the beginning of Philippians. Chapter 1, verse 2. 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Up a few lines to the end of Ephesians 6.24. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Now to the beginning of Ephesians chapter 1 verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The end of Galatians chapter 6 verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. The beginning of Galatians. Chapter 1, verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. End of 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now you've got to jump 13 chapters back to chapter 1, verse 2 of 2 Corinthians. Not as easy to make a jump like that. Chapter 1, verse 2 of 2 Corinthians. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. Two more. 1 Corinthians at the end, 16.23. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 16 chapters jump to the beginning. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus. And then finally, Romans 16.20, not quite the end, 16.20. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. And at the beginning of Romans, if you can jump 16 chapters and catch the beginning, chapter 1, verse 7. Finally. To all who are beloved of God in Rome, grace, I mean, called as saints, grace to you, to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? Remember this Sunday. The Sunday we looked up 26 texts. The Sunday of grace to you and grace with you. Four observations now. Number one. The only word in all of those blessings and benedictions that is common to all of them is grace. Sometimes mercy is there. Sometimes love is there. Sometimes peace is there. Always grace is there. This is a remarkable thing. What it says to me is that in the mind and heart of the Apostle Paul, grace was the beginning and grace was the end of the Christian religion. Our lives begin in grace, our lives will end in grace, our lives are enfolded in grace. All of the teachings in between the middle, the beginning and the end of the letters are grace teachings. Which is a remarkable thing, because there are tough words and hard words and firm words and soft words and all kinds of words flow between these two words of grace. And I think Paul would say, everything I say is grace. So number one observation is, grace is central. Let us make grace central. Number two observation. This grace is God's grace. Because it says repeatedly, grace to you from God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is something that starts with God. It comes from God. That's what makes it grace. If it started here and he responded 
to my start, it wouldn't be grace. That's not grace. Grace is what I can't merit or earn by getting anything started. I can't get my faith started. I can't get my love started. I can't get devotion or perseverance or endurance started. Grace is the universe starter and the church starter and the worship starter and the love starter. What makes grace grace is that it doesn't originate with anything in me. It is from God and therefore it is free. To say that God is a God of grace is another way of saying God is God. That is, he's totally perfect, all-sufficient, self-existent, complete. He creates everything. He sustains everything. He owns every value, every worth. All being is his, and therefore there can't be any negotiating. You come to God, he owns you. He owns everything. You can't say, well... I'll give you my devotion or I'll give you my church attendance or I'll give you my uh, heritage or I'll give you my prayer or I'll give you my whatever. And God says, hmm, that's valuable. I'm now richer. I will repay. You don't negotiate. You can't. Grace means God is a a self-replenishing, totally self-sufficient being from whom and through whom and to whom are all things to him be glory. So that right in that context of Romans eleven thirty four, he says, who has ever given a gift to God that he should be repaid? Answer, nobody. You can't negotiate. It is grace. All the good that has ever come into the life of this church, all the good that's ever come into your life came by grace. And you can't boast in it. You didn't earn it. You can only... Revel in it and rest in it and follow it. Live in it. That's the second observation. Grace is from God. It's God's grace. Third observation. All the grace in those 26 texts is future grace. That's the name of the book. Living by faith in future grace. This seems so obvious in one sense, and yet I'm I'm writing a book about the obvious. It's just a simple, obvious book that the grace that sustains you from now on is future grace. Now, I'm going to belabor the obvious for a minute here. If I say to Dwayne, grace to you as he leaves today, grace to you, Dwayne. What I mean is from now on. I don't mean when he was two years old. I can't have any effect on when he was two years old at all. Neither can God. The only thing God can have an impact on is the future. The only grace that will sustain him is future grace. All you theologians out there are nervous right now that I'm belittling the cross. And the resurrection, (laughs) the great central works of grace in the universe. Well, the answer to that is a few BITC evening sessions. But I will say this. Those acts mean nothing to me. 
except what they mean tomorrow. Or, to be more precise, from now on, this moment on. If they have nothing to do with my future, they are worthless to me. And I could care less that Jesus died. The only grace that matters to me is future grace. Because that's where all of my life will be lived. From now until eternity. If I drop into hell in 800 years or 8 minutes, who cares about the past? The only thing that matters is, are you with me, Jesus? And of course, he couldn't be with a sinner like me if he hadn't died for me. Of course, there would be no future resurrection for me if he hadn't been raised from the dead. But all that past glory, Stephanie and David there, hear their, their wedding homily coming through here. He who did not spare his only son, but gave him up for us all in the past. Okay, it's there. It's awesome. How then shall he not with him freely give us in the future all things? That's where we live. That's where we live. And you've got to believe in that if you're going to be a Christian. God calls us in this day... Yesterday, the Tribune had one of the best editorials I've ever read in the Tribune on the slaying of the two officers in St. Paul. Go back and read yesterday's editorial because they, they asked the right question. They said, when two officers get shot, it's worse than when two of the regular folks of us get shot because a shudder goes through the community as you wonder, this is their phrase, if the center will hold. That's right. I knew exactly what they meant. If the police get shot, did you know, this is a parenthesis, that in 1990, 22 people were shot with handguns in England, 82 in Canada, 87 in Japan, and 10,557 in America. But will the center hold, that is, the core of order, the only way I, with my trembling inside at that event, the only way I can live as a bold, courageous, positive, bright, non-nervous, non-self-serving Christian is if I believe with all my heart in future grace. And every one of those 26 texts is talking about future grace. Grace be with you. Final point number four. At the beginning, he says grace to you. At the end, he says grace with you. Why? Why is it always to you at the beginning and with you at the end? I looked in every commentary I had on Romans, just taking Romans as an example, not a commentary even reflects on this. Tom, in your commentary, reflect on this, would you please? <laughs> here's my reflection. Don't know for sure if this is it, but here's my suggestion of why he does it this way. As he begins his letters, he's there dictating or writing, he's thinking... This is going to be read in a worship service or in a little house, church, a little gathering. And as they begin to read it, they're gathered. Life is hard. It's dangerous to be a Christian. 
And he wants to say what is happening right now as you read the apostolic teaching is that you are hearing the word of God. And when you hear the word of God, grace is coming to you. Grace is coming to you through the word. That's why I think he says grace to you at the beginning. Listen, there's grace coming to you twice in the book of Acts. The apostolic teaching is called the word of grace. But you get to the end of the letter and Paul is thinking, now I'm about done. They're going to finish reading the letter. They may have a brief exposition. There may be some singing. They're going to close up the parchment, put it in a safe place. They're going to scatter out into the Roman world where hardly anybody's a Christian, just like today. And it's going to be hard to be a Christian. What can I say to send them away from the Bible? And he says, grace be with you. In other words, once the word has come and grace has been ministered to you through the word, you lay the word down and go to work. You don't read the Bible all day long. You can't read the Bible and do your work. You go to work. But grace is with you because Jesus is with you. And so what I hear is the word is the instrument of grace as you come to it. And the Spirit will carry you and be with you and minister that grace from the Word as you leave and go about your business. Now, I'm done with those four observations, and we, we need to stop soon. But I have some personal thoughts here about me and about Bethlehem that have been churning in relationship to this, and I want to say them before I close and we go to Sunday school or go to prayer. Grace to you. What I hear there is, Bethlehem, be a people of the Word. If you want grace to come to you the way Paul sent it to his people, if you want it to come to you, be a people of the Word. Let there be preaching of the Word and teaching of the Word and singing of the Word and praying of the Word and sharing of the Word in small groups. Make the Word the fabric of your life. And if you do, grace will come to you. It will abound to you. So I hear Bethlehem be a people of the Word. And then I get to the end and I hear grace be with you. And I say, how, Lord? And in First Thessalonians, I think it is... Uh, don't see here, but I think near the end of First Thessalonians, he says, the Lord be with you, grace be with you. So the grace is with you because Jesus said, I'll be with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And he's with us by his spirit. That's why it can be okay that a million, million people over there on the Pacific Rim or however many who are Christians right now are dealing or last night were dealing with the Lord and he was dealing here. That's why right now from way down there in Argentina up through Canada, millions of people can be doing what we're doing right now saying, come Lord, be personal, be real, get to me, get to my friends here. And he can do it because it's his spirit and there are no bounds on his spirit whatsoever. That's why Jesus says, it is better that I go. Because if he were here in his body, he could be here, but then he couldn't be in Argentina. But he's gone and so he's here and he's there. And so I want us to be a people of the spirit. I think that's the call. A people of the word, a people of the spirit. I finished 14 years here in July. I'm 48 years old. If I quit when I'm 65, 
It will be January 11, 2011. 17 years from now. 17 years. 17 years. For us 40-year-old people, that's short. That's short. That is really short. I don't feel like retiring in 17 years. All the two-year-olds will be high school graduates. Picture that. Most of the kids over eight will be married. The vast majority of you baby boomers will be grandparents. When I was with my father in July, he said a very important thing to me. He said, you know, John, if you want to make a move from Bethlehem, this is the time to do it. Because... Uh, not many churches want 50-year-olds. So I had a lot of time to think about that. 48, if you're going to make a move, this is the time to do it. And my answer to him was, I don't want to make a move. Noel and I went to, uh, guess where we went? Did you know that Pizza Hut burned down? Our Pizza Hut burned down. We went to the nearest affordable restaurant, which was Hardee's. And I sat with Noel last Friday, and I said, Noel, did I overstate my words to the Billhorns just before they left when I said, I can't leave Bethlehem. I want to hold your rope. In fact, I want to hold the rope of all the missionaries who look to this church for a lot more than money. A lot more. And she said, no, I don't think you overstated the commitment and the case. Noel and my sons love this church and want to be here. And I want to be here. It's an immense grace to me to be the pastor of this church. An absolutely, unspeakably immense and precious grace to John Piper. Grace to you to be here at this church. The word I hear from the Lord for me, I've been hearing it for quite a while, is this word. I'll just give it to you as though the Lord gave it to me, which I did. I believe he did. John It's the Lord talking to me through these 26 verses. I want you to stand between these two texts. I want you to stand between grace to you and grace with you. I want you to stand in the pulpit as an agent of grace and a minister of the word. I want to say grace to Bethlehem through the ministry of the word and have you and the people Enjoy the grace that's going to be with you. The future that we have together will be future grace. If you and the people respond to me and receive my word of grace, grace will be with you. Grace will be with you. And those... Fourteen years will become prelude to things you never dreamed. That's where I want to stand. 
that's the direction of grace that I want to go. And I would like you to go with me. All of you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you with all my heart for grace. I thank you that our faith is a faith of beginning with grace and ending with grace. And I pray that these people gathered will never forget this message. The message where we looked up 26 verses, 13 grace to you and 13 grace with you. And I pray right now that you would touch your people with grace. Some need a touch so badly. The prayer teams will be here at the front and they would love to administer the touch of God on your life. Mediating grace to you and sending you out with grace. Father, as we celebrate what you've been doing this summer in praying the vision and as we get on the bridge now, minister a sweetening, deepening, hope-giving, God-exalting, word-saturated, unifying grace to us, I pray. Would you stand with me for a benediction? And now the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace of Christ and the love of the Father and the mercy of the Holy Spirit be with you all and all the people said, Amen.